Hi everybody, welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan and I am joined today to talk all about paganism in the family with uh, Kaiser Sereth who wrote a big book of pagan family prayers and ritual. Kaiser, welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be here. So go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about this book. Um, as you and I were talking about before we started recording that this is a second edition. So let's talk all about it and tell everybody who may not know about the first edition, uh, like I didn't know about the first edition. So let's talk all about it. Yeah, um, years ago, um, I was my daughter was young and uh, trying to do pagan things with her. And I was talking with a friend on the phone about, um, about about what we do. And she said, you know, you really should write a book. And I laughed it off. And a little bit later, a few days later, I had some spare time and I sat down and charted out an outline and said, man, I could write a book. Um, so I did. Uh, and the idea was that families are having children, obviously, and they want to raise their children in a pagan tradition. But who knew how to do it? If this was originally back, oh, I don't know, the 80s, maybe, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe 90s. And um, what was going on there at the time was pretty much a classical Wicca, you know, like uh, initiation, initiatory groups, small groups. Mm -hmm. And the whole eclectic paganism, neo-Wiccan movement was just starting. So there weren't very many pagans who had kids but they were starting to. So there was no, there was nothing established. There was, there was nowhere you could go to find anything on how to be pagan as a family. It just hadn't existed. Um, so I wrote a book about it. And well, that's pretty much it. <laughs> the, the book is a really great tool, especially for, um, you know, working with introducing our kids into paganism. And it's kind of one of those things of how do you adapt a very adult knowledge that because there's plethoras of books out there for adults, but it's how do you adapt that to kids? And so this is a really great book for that starting point of how to incorporate pagan practice into that of a family. So thank you for yeah, reading a, it. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of what you see in, in the books on Wicca and eclectic paganism is intended, they're like a lot of it's magic and it's something that grownups do really. Mm -hmm. Uh, and whereas in ancient times, uh, paganism was about what you did as a, as a community. It wasn't necessarily doing magical stuff. So I wanted to raise to see about raising children with that sort of outlook, um, a pagan outlook. Yeah, that is definitely a really awesome thing. And I really like how you, uh, as you went through the book, you highlighted all the different things from everything from birthdays, which we kind of think is a very mundane kind of practice and making it more of a almost spiritual practice. And then it taking things from your holidays and all the different practices you could do with that and things that seem somewhat, you know, witchy, but are also a little bit more mundane because we have made them more mundane over the years as they, the media has kind of gotten a hold of some of those things, especially around like Samhain and the practices of Halloween. Uh, so it was really cool to kind of see all that. And I'm excited because your book is also a really easy read um, for older children as well. So they can kind of get a grasp on things as well. So that was really, I'm really awesome. I'm really glad to hear that because uh, I've often heard that, that my books are easy reads. 
my uh, basic writing style is very convoluted, very academic, very difficult to read. And so I write it that way. And then I just edit the hell out of it. Uh, and it goes through, I don't know, parts of it might go through a dozen edits, you know, just mm -hmm. simple, simplifying it. And I was glad to hear that I actually succeeded in that. Yes, That's you definitely work did. Doing that. Good. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about um, what are some of your favorite family practices that may or may not be mentioned in your book? Ones that were my, were my favorite are my favorite are ones that are mentioned in the book. The, the biggest one is the Yule ritual uh, where we uh, sit around the table after after dinner and have a lot of candles on there because pagans tend to have a lot of candles around the house and we might be like two dozen candles. And then while we do a, a prayer about light coming back, we slowly light all the candles and then we go through the house and turn on every single light. And I'm talking about cell phones and flashlights and opening the doors, the doors of uh, dryers, you know, every single light. And my, most of my year I walk around turning off lights. <laughs> right. And, and so to just have every single light in the house on is absolutely amazing. You can like feel the house almost throbbing with, with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we sit around and uh, talk and eat cookies and play with wax. Uh, that was kind of a fun thing for a little kid to do, getting to play with melted wax, you know, pouring it on on plates and making shapes out of it and stuff. It's uh, I'm I'm a big fan of letting kids do a lot of things that other people might think they're not really old enough for. But, you know, I grew up with that. I, I got my first jackknife when I was eight. You know, that's what we did. In, that's what we did in those days. Uh, so I spent almost all my time outdoors in the summer. So I'm I'm into that kind of a stuff. Um, the other one would be. Uh, the the Imolk one uh, breeds day, mm -hmm. and we we do a ritual for breed, and a major part of that one is going through a house the house with a a, a breeds breeds cross made out of reeds, and then blessing each room uh, to breed with the fire. And the the very first time I did that with my kid, she must have been six at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, she like grabbed the the cross and did and preceded everybody. Uh, do on this little procession through the house and insisted upon saying all the words and being in charge really um so she so really cute. liked that one i remember reading yeah. that in the book that was so cute <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool to see her just take over like that it's so fun when the kids get to do that when they're they just are like no i want to do it my way can we do it this way and it's like i guess sure let's see what happens yeah. And yeah, it's a, lot, a fun experience <laughs> a lot of times you do that i, I say about kids that you do it one year and the next year you discover it's a tradition and uh, they've decided it's a tradition now this is the way it's done and sometimes you know they make their modifications and in general I, I say this in the book that they will make their the modifications to it and sometimes it doesn't really fit in with the ritual so you just have to say we're going to be doing this other way we can talk about it later why and then you go on the, the planned way and other times you say yeah that's not bad or you know, sometimes you think like, it's really good. And other times it's okay, I can live with this. Um, so you live with it because it brings the kid in. I actually really enjoy that. We do a, um, one of our patron household deities is Loki. So we have a lot of traditions that are involving a lot of play and experimentation and stuff like that to kind of bring in a little bit of that chaotic energy. And so uh, my daughter decided this year that she was going to... Um, do an entire ceremony for Loki and to just give him some gifts for Yule 
And so, well, I, I guess it would be last year now. So, uh, and so she did that and it was very cute because she gave him some of her favorite like hair clips and stuff like that. Just all stuff that she was like, here, I want to share this with you. And it was very cute. And, you know, it's not traditional. It's not something that you would normally do. But I, you know, of course, afterwards I was like, so if you were going to do this traditionally, here's how this would look. And she goes, yeah, but Loki likes to break the rules too. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Okay. So and now we just kind of, if the, we do something as a family and it, it's a little off kilter, not normally traditional or not, you know, what I had written up or what I had designed and all this stuff. We'd just be like, well, Loki took over. That's what happened. And he wanted it to go in a chaotic way. So that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I, tend to, I tend towards a, like reconstructionism, a traditionalism thing. So I like to give the deities what we know historically they've been given. Mm -hmm. But then you can add things that are meaningful now because times have changed. Uh, you know, you're not going out and slaughtering your own animals. Uh, you're doing other things. Like at our our uh, Lunasa ritual, which our, our my Grove's Lunasa ritual, which we're going to be mm -hmm. doing on a Sunday, we have a first fruit sort of thing. What we have we harvested during the year. And we have a garden, so I include something from the garden, but I also include cash because that's what I've gotten from my work. Mm -hmm. So that's my harvest. Um, so, you know, things like that. I like to include the stuff that we know was traditional and then do the things that are more adapted to today as well. I think that that's a very valid um, kind of thing to do. I had actually never thought about adding cash as part of a harvest ritual. So that's really interesting. <laughs> I might have to include that in my stuff now. That's pretty cool. So when, my... when we, when we have our Beltane ritual, we just, we uh, burn the stuff from winter stuff that sort of gathered up over winter to uh, purify ourselves. So now we can enter the world outside because, you know, that's all the inside stuff. And I usually use dust bunnies. Oh, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. That's a really good idea. And, you know, also, if you're somebody that is wanting to make really good fire starters, and especially if you're camping, dust up bunnies are a great way to make them. Just stuff them in your yeah. paper towel rolls and toss them in we your We usually, fires. for our grove rituals, we use Cryerland. Yep. Those work really well as well. Awesome tinder. Yeah. Super, We're talking super about great. a bunch of little fibers. Yeah, Absolutely. They're so great for, there's so many great things like that. And that's a whole nother subject, everybody, that I could talk about forever because that is one of my favorite hyper-focuses is talking about sustainability, but that's not what we're here for today. So stay tuned for that for another episode. <laughs> this is a great book, The Elements of Ritual. Um, it's blanking me out as to who it's, who it's by, but it it goes through a, like a standard Wiccan ritual. And in each each section of it, it uh, gives like practical things, it's spiritual things, like by the elements. And mm -hmm. One of the categories is um, practical things. And uh, it has things like that. Like if you're doing a ritual outdoors, you it'd be good to have a like an altar that has a, uh, has a, a little shelf underneath and a tablecloth over it. You store all your extra stuff mm -hmm. uh, on the shelf. You know, so these are things that you you learn after doing ritual lots of times. Yeah, there, there's a lot of really cool things like that. I have whole cabinets full of stuff that I will store all my stuff for, or um, I will. I also have a tray that if I'm working at, say, like um, our bedroom altar, 
um, and I need something from the cabinet, then I will take a little tray and put all my stuff on that tray and set it on the bed behind me so I have a spot for it. Um, but, you know, it works out really nicely. So having a shelf, having a tray, cabinet, whatever you'd like for your magic is the way to go. So uh, what would be your advice to, say, a maybe a practitioner that maybe has young children or has been trying to figure out a way to actually include their children in their uh, craft, what would be your, you know, top one through three kind of ways of getting started with that? Well, I would say that until they get older, I'd say like teens or something like that, like hold off on the the witchy stuff. You know, we're, they're they're really not ready for that kind of a thing at that point. I mean, if they start doing stuff, sure, encourage, uh, train that sort of stuff, but don't really push that. Work on the the more pagan stuff because um, paganism is about doing really, and so there are things you do. You know, there are um, the rituals that are that are in the book, and the second thing is about is letting teaching them mythology. Uh, mm-hmm. There are a lot of really good stories. There's some, some of the, the stories in their original version are just a little bit much in a lot. You don't want to hear about uh, Zeus forcing himself <laughs> on you know, a lot of women. Uh, but there are frequently simplified versions of them, ones meant for children and stuff. And you can get, you know, as they get older, you, they can get involved in more complicated versions. But that teaches them the lore. It teaches them about who these deities are. Um, what they have to do with us, uh, that sort of a thing. So, so, you know, celebrating the seasons and the moons, like you're in, in a book, paying attention to this, the times of your, their lives as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, you like the reading about, about birthdays, and that's birthdays are already ritual occasions. So you can just make them a little more ritualized. And so that, that there's a, a, a framework to their lives. Because yes. that's one of the things yes. about, about religion, it's a framework. And so you give them a framework. So that and teaching them myths are really the two biggest things. I and love don't that. push it. And don't push it. Uh, you know, if they fi- fight back on something, just just drop it. And I, uh, I I say in the book that I, you know, my my daughter was not interested in doing any meditation, so I just dropped it. And a few days later, I noticed she was meditating on her own. So she, just she was always doing it first with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, she was always stubborn like that. Like if you. If you really wanted to push her on, uh, get her to do something, you just push her just a little bit, let her fight back. And like two days later, she'd come up with it as if it were her idea. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. Uh, so let's, um, you know, talk a little bit about oh. some of the other ways. Do you have any other projects or anything like that that's coming up that you're wanting to promote or do you have any classes? Uh, well, this is, I have a, no, I don't. I do presentations at various gatherings, but I don't have anything on the schedule right now. Uh, I do YouTube, I have a YouTube channel, okay. which is just Kaiser, just Kaiser Sarath. You know, it's the same name. Um, I've got a bunch of things on that. I've got some rituals. I've got book recommendations and various pagan traditions. Um, I've got uh, two videos on flags because I'm a flag geek. I forget offhand what's on there. I've got 59 videos. Oh, <laughs> I can't that's really- great remember what they all oh yes i'm working on american paganism that's a, a been a fascination of mine for quite a oh, while i bet that's gonna and, be interesting and the idea is not like being a pagan in america but being a form of paganism that's specifically american 
-hmm. like using American Dade, you know, Liberty, Columbia, Justice, uh, Industry, Agriculture. Those are all deities that you find in artwork uh, and also poems and things like that all through the American history, even starting with uh, pre in the colonial days. Uh, and so you know, working with the deities that way, I'm working on, a, I have a video on that, on the deities. And I'm working on one about, about working with ancestors and I'm going to do one on nature spirits and one on ritual. Uh, so we, um, you know, we already have ritual occasions in the U.S. Mm -hmm. we've, we've got Halloween, Christmas, um, you know, New Year's. We've got all these 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 times that could very easily be paganized. Uh, and um, we've got all these deities really already. And they're generally by most people seen as like allegories. But, mm -hmm. well, what if we saw them as actual deities? You know, and what if we were a ritual in uh, a, a uh, American style? Like Mike Grove has, uh, where we, I'm belonging to an organization, Iron Rock Fane, you know, ADF, and we're required by the, by ADF to have eight rituals a year. Uh, they're supposed to be public since COVID. We've sort of pulled back on that, but we're hoping to get back to it. But we also have a ninth one. We do an American Independence Day one. Um, we do it in honor of the American pay, uh, American deities. And we do it in a what what we consider like an American pagan style because you know you ask, ask what American uh, ritual is like and it's a lot of speechifying and telling stories and that sort of a thing. So you know we start with the uh, the Native Americans and work our way up to the Constitution, you know, going through through the history uh, at that point, and then we we end it with uh, part of the I Have a Dream speech because there's a, a wonderful moving part in there about how. The, the the constitution and declaration were a promissory note and how you know it, it's up to us to pay on that promissory note and so the ritual actually ends with the ritual is not finished that's that's the proclamation at the end because I, I i view america as a, an unfolding of the ideals we're not there yet i don't think we ever will be because you know you can't reach perfection but things get better and better you know more and more rights are given to more and more people as things go on and I've said that uh, the uh, a good new motto for the U.S. would be we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that stays and I hope that that continues to be that. That's a very interesting kind of outlook to things that we don't really think about when it comes to paganism. Um, and the interesting thing, too, is that kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Neil Gaiman's American Gods. I don't know if you've read it or seen. The no, show. everybody keeps talking about it. I've never read um, it. You would probably find it very interesting um, if you either watch the show. The show, I recommend reading the book over the show, but that's just me. Um, I prefer books to most TV shows, but that's cool. Yeah, me too. Uh, but it's, it's a really fascinating kind of thing because we have in there, he talks about like the God of technology. Yeah. And how that, you know, basically when you give something enough attention, enough time, yeah, you probably are turning it into some form of a deity. So, yeah. So uh, one of the things always about paganism is where are you and when are you? Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you should try to honor that. What is your time? What is your place? I mean, people talk about uh, being close to nature. Yeah, that's all well and good. But if you live in a city, you should be close to the city as well. Now, cities have deities too. Your your average Roman Roman living in Rome didn't really care what was going on on the countryside. They wanted to deal with what was necessary to them in the city. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yes, it's great to to deal with nature. I think everybody should, but they should also ask, where am I and when am I? Am I? And think about those things. I think that's a really cool thing. 
So, yeah, I think in terms of, you know, what modern paganism kind of looks like, um, yes, you can very much merge the old, but on the other side of the coin is what is it going to look like in a hundred years from now? What, you know, when we look back at what paganism is going to be like and what our future generations are going to look like, maybe there will be a god of technology. Maybe there really will be a different, you know, maybe Lady Liberty will be a deity. Um, who knows? Well, she already that? is. She already <laughs> is. There's, um, there, what was I going to say? Um, well, in in American pagan pagan imagery, Mercury shows up a lot as a god of commerce and a god of technology and a god of communications. So you could even use him as a god of the internet. Oh, that would be interesting. Uh, and and in, in our grove, we have someone who's fairly dedicated to the Irish god Luke. And uh, at the uh, second battle of Moitura story, Luke is, has become the high king. And he tells all the gods, okay, you do this and you do this and you do this. So he he's adopted him as a god of uh, project management. Oh, that's so, neat. Oh, that's a really cool idea. I like that. Yes. That's neat. So he's taken it directly from the, the lore and yet made it a modern thing. I mean, and that's really cool. Him. That is he's really also used cool. him as a god. He used him as a god to pray to when you're unemployed, because when he comes to to Terry the first time, he goes through this whole list of all the things he does he can do. So he's seen as you know a god of talents and not so someone you'd want to pray to to get your talents recognized. Oh, that is really neat. I like that. That's really cool. And, you know, maybe that's something that we can all think about as, you know, modern pagans today is how can we, I don't want to say modernize our deities, but also how do they fit in our modern world? In certain right. Ways? I don't, I don't want to change who they were in a drastic kind of way. Um, I, I see many pagans saying, oh, but I see him as this. But yeah, he wasn't that in the lore, not even close. So pick another deity, mm -hmm. you know, or make one up. My my basic theology says that there are an infinite number of deities, and that when you, if you make one up, you're not really making one up. You're discovering one that's already out there. Uh, so you know, even in, even if you want to like use Tolkien's uh, mythology, those deities are out there. You just are discovering them and worshiping them. So if you want a deity of a particular thing and you don't find one, I would say instead of um, crunching an already existent deity into what you want find make one up like use use a maybe you can use a word from an ancient language that you you're uh, like if you're doing irish paganism find an, an old irish word that would be appropriate change it into a name or something like that because the ancient pagans did that we can see that um uh the, the god jupiter you know comes from the proto-indiopeans Jupiter, which just means shining sky father mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, Pekunos, either which was there, where Thor and um, uh, Mars and stuff came from. That just word just meant uh, striker. Uh, so you know, just go ahead, make one up. You're actually discovering it, and work with that. So we may end up with a whole new pantheon. Really, the pagan Wiccan, the the Wiccan god and goddess are like that. There weren't any deities in the old paganism that are like those deities, but they've been developed and now they exist mm -hmm. um, i thought i think they already did exist but they exist in manifestation form right um, so it's already been done in pagan modern paganism so go for it 
Well, that is super cool. Is And the American um, deities kind of book that we've been talking about here, or the American paganism, uh, that is going to be a book, right? No, probably not. Probably um, not. Probably not. It's um, it's a more of a YouTube project and a Grove project. There might be someone in the Grove is actually interested in the idea. We've been working on it together. So maybe. But right now I'm working on a book on, on ritual that um, – I've I've spent like three years of research on it. And I probably got at least another year of research before I actually get seriously writing. I've been mm -hmm. taking notes, but uh, and that's probably going to be a couple of years after that. So that's my that's my magnum opus, and that's rituals. And <laughs> ritual is ritual is an obsession of mine. So I'm I'm you know writing this book, and after that we'll see. Well, that sounds really great. Um, for everybody who's listening, the YouTube channel will be linked in the description below so you guys can check that out. Uh, That'd be great. There will also be links to Kaiser's book and all of their social media and how to get in touch with them. So, Kaiser, thank you so much for being on the show. This was so fascinating. Sure, no problem. I, I, have, a, I have a YouTube, I'm sorry, Facebook page as well. A okay. Kaiser's Facebook page. Um, that's really the only social media I'm busy I'm active on because I I have enough troubles keeping up my Facebook page. There's no way <laughs> <Don't> I could, <laughs> all. no way I could I could keep keep a Twitter channel going. I just don't have that many interesting thoughts that are that short. <laughs> I I understand that. That's that's perfectly fine. Uh but all that stuff will be linked in there for everybody. This and a been, website, of course. Yeah. This has been absolutely fascinating. Again, thank you so much for joining me. Well this thank you for so having wonderful. me. And uh, everybody stay safe, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody.